Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Progressive Bitcoiner. I'm your host, Trey Walsh, and today we have on the show Alana, the filmmaker that some of you might know who's been working on Dirty Coin. The movie and documentary are all about Bitcoin mining and flipping a lot of that narrative on its head in terms of talking about the benefits uh, Bitcoin mining has in our world. Um, and I was honored to be able to take a little clip at Stranded, one of her short films that's a bit of a precursor. Some of it, it's involved with uh, Dirty Coin prior to this conversation. And man, she knows what she's doing and is a really talented filmmaker. And I'm really excited for you all to hear this conversation that we have that ranges from her professional background, working for a lot of Silicon Valley companies on uh, production and filmmaking, her own thoughts on uh, the year ahead and the world that we're heading into with all sorts of thoughts about AI and you know where hope can be found in this regulatory environment with Bitcoin, with the internet, all of these different things and different tips and tricks for those that are involved in creative spaces and content creation and all of that. So really enjoyed this conversation with Alana. It was everything that I hoped it would be. Uh, and she's such a fantastic guest to have on the show and looking forward to you all hearing about this and be sure to support Alana as well. At the time of this recording, she's already mentioned that uh, Dirty Coin will be premiering at the Bitcoin Film Festival in Warsaw, Poland in April, April 20th, I believe. Uh, that film will be coming out and airing there. And I'm sure over the next couple of years, we'll be trickling out into different formats for folks to be able to check out at home, check out in theaters. Uh, I know that Alana is going to keep doing incredible, incredible things for Bitcoin and for the landscape. Uh, so thanks again for tuning into this conversation. Please be sure to share it with folks that, again, are skeptical of, of Bitcoin, especially Bitcoin mining and need some thoughts on why we're even talking about Bitcoin mining, you know, expanding the grid in places like rural Africa and why these things are so important to us uh, here as, as Bitcoiners as humanity and uh, through our podcast, The Progressive Bitcoiner. So thank you again, Alana, for, for coming on. Uh, really enjoyed this conversation. And uh, for those listening, be sure to check out our promo links as well. So speaking of uh, environmentally conscious Bitcoin mining, you can check out our promo link to SAS Mining, where you can get $50 off each and every miner you purchase. And our promo link through Bitbox as well, my favorite hardware wallet to get 5% off your purchase there. And be sure to subscribe to our Substack if you haven't already. You'll be able to find that in the show notes to get episodes of the podcast delivered every Tuesday uh, right to your inbox, as well as a weekly newsletter where we wrap up Bitcoin uh, major events and news from the week with progressive values in mind delivered every Friday to your inbox. All right, everyone, as always, if you have any thoughts or feedback on this conversation or any of the, the stuff that we're putting out, please feel free to reach out to me at hello at progressivebitcoiner.com. I will let you get to my conversation with Alana now, and we will see you again next week. Hey, Alana, welcome to the Progressive Bitcoiner. How are you? Hi, Trey. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, just a second ago, I said we should start recording because you and I have been chatting for a while. Uh, this is the first time for folks listening that we really had a chance to talk and, and connect um, and just hit it right off. So I'm super excited to have you on and to have people hear about your projects, your background uh, so much. Obviously, Dirty Coin, a huge, a huge part of why we're, we're talking today. Uh, but why don't you give folks a little uh, background on on who you are, what you do, what you like to focus on? You know, I just actually finished updating my website and I found the title. It's producer, director, writer, founder, mother and wife. It is that sounds about hard. what we talked about just now. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. You know, and there's a lot 
to each of those things. Um, and it's usually really hard for me to answer that question because I don't want to spend more than a minute, you know, describing my background. And sometimes I'll just go towards my professional background. I've had my production company for going on 13 years, worked at Google for five years, um, have produced content for a billion people for the next billion users, current billion. Um, you know, I've produced documentaries all over the world. Dirty Coin was produced in four continents. Um, I've raised money. I raised money for Dirty Coin. Um, I, so I'm an entrepreneur. I quit Google two years ago to um, go full-time entrepreneur, head of the family. Um, my husband is a stay-at-home parent and I, we homeschool our children. We live in Puerto Rico. Um, we are a very interesting family. Like we have designed our life. And very often when I, when I introduce myself, I go on the professional background because Mm -hmm. that's usually the context in which I'm being interviewed. But, um, this, this, this holiday, I really looked at how to create harmony between my work and my life because my Mm -hmm. work was overwhelming my time. Um, and I wasn't really seeing my family much. And so Mm I, I can't promise them a lot more time, but I can promise them a more intentional and being a mother. There's no replacing a mother, even though I work and I'm the breadwinner. I'm not the father of the family. I'm still the mother. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of really good realizations, a lot of workshopping with myself and, um, took some master classes from some really brilliant people like Martha Stewart. And, um, and now I'm really kind of embracing the fact that I really am a mompreneur. I hated that hashtag before because I'm like, uh, oh, so lame, mompreneur. Mm. But now it's like, look, there, there are entrepreneurs and there are entrepreneurs that are parents, very different, and, there are, and that have an overhead, that have kids to feed. And there are entrepreneurs that are mothers. That's also a completely different category because we have mm-hmm. to do everything a man needs to do. Plus, we need to be mom. So that is not a weakness of mine. And I will start talking more about it uh, in future podcasts. Uh, I won't make it the focus, but yes, being a mother and a parent is definitely a big component of who I am. Yeah. I, um, I went to your website recently and even again this morning before the recording, and it was really great for me too, as at loosely, you know, it's a content creator space, even doing this podcast and thinking about the year ahead. Um, you wrote some really good articles that I think were, were, were dumped recently on your website, uh, a few, and then one of them just about like your approach to like posting on social media and things like that. And I, I kind of took like a week off from, from the podcast, which is the first time I'd really done that since like June of last year. It was just kind of a grind of creating this as a as a small business, a trying to figure out what the what the year ahead is. And yeah, it's still like small, this niche thing, but just trying to think about okay, where are we where are we going to next? So taking a week uh off and back, one of the things I thought about, I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan of of Noster, first of all, in terms of social media. And then second of all, just jumping back into like looking at Bitcoin Twitter, because fortunately, unfortunately, it's still one of the best places to find like breaking news or the search function on Twitter is just hard to replicate elsewhere currently. Um, but one thing is, you know, finding all of that noise, trying to find signal through the noise, a term that Bitcoiners use a lot, but there's just so much noise and repetition on Bitcoin Twitter. And some of the things you had talked about in this one blog post that I was reading was just like your intention to just post less, but make it quality and just really focus on on what you're doing. And I think there's such a need for for content creators or people doing 
anything creatively to try to get as much out there as, as possible. I think myself and, and people in Bitcoin in general feel the urgency, right, to inform people about what's going on because there's so much different FUD going on and Bitcoin's so early. It's like, we have to, if we don't, who else will? And, you know, all this stuff. Right. But just slowing down and focusing on on quality and not getting caught up in that is something that um, even just that reinforced what I was already feeling, seeing you, someone like you is really talented in this realm saying that. I'm like, cool. Yeah, that kind of reinvigorates to just stay focused and not get so caught up in, in the noise of just posting forever a million times a day and, and all of these things. And checking that box. It's not about yeah. life isn't just about checking boxes because or of your to-do list because there are inefficient things that we put in our to-do list. And very mm-hmm. often we leave um, the most important tasks to the end. You know, when we yeah. have a long to-do list, we tend to take knock off the easy ones first and then we get to the heavy ones. Now, we should definitely flip that. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that's something that I flipped a late last year, or early last year, late last year, like a few months ago, like, I don't know, last quarter. Um, where I was like, I'm just going to handle the hardest things first. And then if I get to the easy ones, then I get to the easy ones. And that's when I realized that a lot of the things that I was spending a lot of time on were a lot of these easy tasks that ultimately I had to, I couldn't do them last year because I was handling the tough ones first and Mm -hmm. realized that my productivity actually increased, didn't decrease by eliminating these small tasks that I thought were so Kind of important enough to be mm-hmm. on my to-do yeah. list, you know? Yeah. So, and, and a lot of that came to social media posting because you post on social media and then people answer and you want to, you know, you want to be courteous. They're having a conversation with you. I'm all about community and I'm all about like, it's me on social media. I'm only on Twitter and LinkedIn right now. So it's, that's me posting. That's mm-hmm. me doing that. There's no social media manager. There's nothing. Um, it's me. And so, you know, it's, So it's funny story. You say somebody like me. So very funny. You're right. You're more right than you think you are. Um, I in 20 between 2017 and 2020, my bread and butter was social media videos for brands. Yeah. So I saw that in your background. That's why I said that too. I'm like, (laughs) this is the validation I needed. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, I really know about this stuff. And we were posting and we would sell per quantity of videos, right? So Mm. as an agency, of course, um, I make more money if I sell you more videos. Now Mm -hmm. it was, it is also more effective. You post at different times of day, you, you know, you keep your audience engaged. Um, you know, especially Instagram, we were mostly on Instagram. So Instagram has this like constant, like flow of creation that needs to constantly be there. Why? Because that's how you get to open the app more frequently, right? That's how they meta, that's how Facebook gets their time in with you. Um, But the reality is that brands don't need to post as much as they think that they do. um, And, and still be on Instagram, still be on these platforms. I'm not currently on Instagram, but Dirty Coin will be, and especially now in 2024, because I do recognize the value of, of, mm-hmm. the, of, the, of the platform. Um, but it's really important as a creative entrepreneur that is a mother and a wife that doesn't have any time, I got to eliminate the things that really don't bring that much value. And I did last yeah. year. And I actually noticed higher productivity in the businesses, greater happiness at home, not posting about, I mean, I, oh, also another thing, I also left Instagram and Facebook 
um, in 2021. So I've also been off already Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this is really me just continuing the, the, the cutting off of things in my life that don't take me closer to, to my goals. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. It sounds like 2021 was a, a big year for you as well uh, with <laughs> yeah. a, a couple of themes that we talked about. Yeah, 2021. Tw- I mean, 2020 was fucking crazy for the entire yeah. planet. Um, I am a producer. I make money when I'm on set. I'm a director. I make money mm-hmm. when I'm on set. And I'm a director of photography. I make money when I'm on set. So in 2020, I ha- and my calendar is usually booked four or five months in advance. Mm-hmm. Um 2020 suddenly, you know, boom, all of my productions were grounded all and I don't get paid if I don't show up on set, right? That's yeah. not a that doesn't happen. And there's no video, there's no post-production if we don't go on set. So there all of my pipeline got dried up instantly. And I had to figure it out and at the time I was still working at Google and I had quit. I was going to finish Next, which is actually happening soon. Mm-hmm. Um Google Next, which is Google Clouds like IO, um yep. their big conference. Um, I was going to finish that next. And then I was going to, that was going to be my last week at Google. Um, and then the week before next, the lockdown happens. We have to, we were already like literally a week before a huge multi hundred thousand dollar, uh, production day. Um, so you can only imagine all the different people, all the different gear we were renting, the people we were hiring, mm-hmm. like all the different things that had to go down. And so I wasn't going to leave my boss alone with that headache. And I was like, all right, so I'll stay to ease this out and then, and then I'll leave. And then, you know, we stayed, we kept staying. And so I kept staying at Google and then it wasn't until 2021 that I left um, Google and I moved, but they already knew I was leaving. So I moved down to Puerto Rico, decided to have a remote first life. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so 2021, we were digital nomads, me and my family, we got rid of everything that we have. We, I told the kids, you can keep anything you want, as long as you can carry it. You have yeah, yeah. two suitcases. I don't want to tell you, you have to get rid of everything. You can keep whatever you can carry. Mm-hmm. And so they, um, we did that for eight months and every two weeks we would move to a different place. And that was an incredible experience. And yeah, all of that happened in 2021. It was a really um, intense year to get me ready mentally and physically to be fully, um, confident in my ability to, um, keep my family afloat and my businesses afloat, my employees paid, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody fucking paid. (laughs) That's usually my number one thing. It's like, are my family finances and my business finances in order? Check. Okay. I can, I can, I can relax. Yeah. Um, So it was a good year. Tell me a little bit about your, I don't do this with every guest, but just curious, you know, we were talking right before this about just your professional background and, and what you do. Um, you're so goddamn good at it, I, I, I think. So I had the privilege of seeing Stranded. I didn't go out to an event, but you let me view it before our, our conversation. And I, and I watched it the other night and it's it Stranded, the kind of short film. Can, can you tell me a little bit about like Stranded fitting into Dirty Coin? Is it kind of like a precursor, like a little trailer? It's about what, 16, 17 minutes. And what you pack into 16, 17 minutes 
regardless of Bitcoin, Bitcoin mining, it's just fantastic content and, and education mm-hmm. and so well done. And I just really enjoyed it and can't wait for more people to see it. Can't wait for more people to see Dirty Coin. But talk a little bit about the connection between those two things. And then I want to ask about your uh, Bitcoin journey. Um, so Dirty Coin, we recorded for a year and a half, almost two years. We were, Well, no, not almost two years. No, a year and a half because we're almost two years is the whole production of the mm-hmm. film. Um. And so I have a lot of content, a lot of incredible content that not everything is going to make it into Dirty Coin. So we were already editing Dirty Coin um, and just picking out content and seeing like, I already had the story line kind of roughly in my mind for Dirty Coin at mm-hmm. the time. And I still do, obviously. Now it's much yeah. more, now it has just changed a little bit. Um, I had that refined, but there was this story about energy poverty that I didn't really think about when I first started Dirty Corn. I knew a little bit about energy poverty, but more from the viewpoint of upgrading our grids. You know, I live in Puerto Rico right now. We have a very old, unstable, um, unreliable, inefficient grid. Mm. Uh, that is currently being worked on. So it's not all bad, but it is a problem. And there's a lot of places like us in the United States and in many developed countries where the grid is failing and having um, an injection of capital and and a player like Bitcoin miners coming into the space are a solution for that problem in some locations, not in every location, Mm -hmm. but in some locations. In some locations, they're like the best solution, like the only solution for that problem. Um, and which is, which is great. And so I had never really thought about what, what about when you don't have any electricity at all, you've never had access to electricity and suddenly you have access to electricity because of a Bitcoin miner moving into a a space and buying up, making the microgrid at your site profitable so that the microgrid operator doesn't need to rely on shark loans for to uh, stand up their business and so that they can profitably expand and move on and create new microgrids and increase the, the electrical infrastructure profitably. Mm-hmm. which is something that third world countries very often have a pro- have a problem doing. And I understand why there's no demand for the electricity either. These people and these villages, they've, don't, they've never had it. So they don't have refrigerators that need to be connected. They don't have um, their, you know, fans or they don't have these things. So there's mm-hmm. no demand. And so there's lack of demand and there's too much supply. So, you know, after filming in Malawi and going through all of that footage, going through all of the interviews, talking to Eric, talking to, I mean, getting to really see what's, what's happening there and, and understand, um, I felt like I wasn't sure if Dirty Coin was going to be able to have a space where we could just focus on just energy poverty. Mm-hmm. I am obviously putting it into Dirty Coin. So Dirty Coin is going to have um, some of that. But I wanted a story that was not even about like just not not Dirty Coin, not connected to, to, to Bitcoin in that way. That story that you're expecting. I mm-hmm. wanted to give you a story that you weren't expecting because... It's a use case that is so life-changing to be able to have a portable demand on energy, which is what Bitcoin mining is. It's a portable demand on energy. Mm-hmm. So if you have a location that has too much wasted or stranded electricity, that 
and Bitcoin mining can come and consume that electricity at the source, at the source, like where the, where it's being produced, where the energy is, whether it's, um, you know, energy from a, a dam, energy from a, a solar panels, energy from whatever, whatever, wherever it is that is, is turning energy into electricity and is wasting it, electri- Bitcoin miners can come in and they can eat that up. And what that means, it's, I mean, that for, for a solar panel company, it means that they can be profitable and then they can, you know, more easily get a loan from a bank to start that. I mean, there, the dynamics and the financials of mining and electricity are so, they're so intertwined. They're so interesting. So I also wanted to, so that's one of the reasons I wanted to give this story its own moment where it's not a chapter in a bigger story, but it is the core of the story is this mm-hmm. is the story. Like the story arc is about this, not about Bitcoin mining, right? Dirty coin is more broad Bitcoin. What is Bitcoin? What is Bitcoin mining? Where is that? Where is it at today? Um, Stranded is just about um, this particular village in Malawi and, you know, how Bitcoin mining is able to, you know, everything I just said, demand on electricity is there. Um, And then the other reason why I decided to do it was because I wanted to have a proof of concept that this was interesting for the world. I was talking to people, different producers, different studios, and they were telling me, um, like I I got turned down by a couple of studios that said, um, we're already producing a crypto movie. We're already producing a Doge documentary. We're already producing this other crypto NFT documentary. And, and I was like, you know, the thing is that this isn't another crypto documentary. This is a documentary about energy, electricity, high powered computing. This is a documentary about the footprint of our digital lives in the physical world like this. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at Bitcoin, but this is, and the effect that this internet lifestyle that we now have, whether it's computer, whether it's Facebook, whether it's AI, whether it's Bitcoin will require computers from the, that are the cloud. And those computers are going to consume a lot of electricity and it's only going to continue to grow. And we Mm -hmm. need to be smart about what this means so that we can have meaningful conversations. And one of the reasons why Dirty Coin for me is targeted towards people that aren't Bitcoiners is because I don't want to convince them. I want to show them more information that they're not normally exposed to with Dirty Coin regarding Bitcoin mining. And I want them to join the conversation from a from a better intellectual place. They don't need to agree. There's gonna, there's always gonna be critics, and I think that that's mm-hmm. important. It's, it's important for humanity to have the doubters and the people that are like, no, like prodding and, you know, examining and trying to prove something wrong. I think that's that's fantastic. I think that's great. So we, but we need more people in the Bitcoin bubble, so that we can expand this conversation. Because just saying that Bitcoin is bad for the environment is such an ignorant statement considering what you're like, considering the amount of information that you don't know regarding data centers, regarding how much electricity Bitcoin actually consumes in comparison to other industries. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's just a very intellectually weak statement. And I want people, smart people to at least argue against Bitcoin a little bit more intelligently and not with these really superficial headline driven arguments that really have no depth. 
Gosh, you said so much there. I mean, one one thing that I really appreciated about Stranded, one of the million things, was that, you know, I don't know how long it took before Bitcoin was mentioned. <laughs> Maybe at least seven to ten minutes. I mean, a, a lot of it was. I've never even noticed and that. You you mentioned Eric, and and for folks listening, a lot of you will know, but those that don't, uh, she's talking about gridless and kind of their their work in in Africa, expanding the grid there, um, and. You know, what, what you're talking about is just basics of understanding these things that most people do not understand. I did not understand. It took me a good year to understand after getting into Bitcoin. So the, the nuance here, but I mean, it, it opens up and you're showing like a village in Africa that has electricity and these like this data center and it happens to be a Bitcoin mining data center. But I think focusing on what what it's producing and then having Bitcoin be that answer is just flipping that narrative on its head that more people are starting to do. Uh, and then on the flip side, we're still so early because, unfortunately, a lot of the most popular content, I mean, I've seen it on this show. I'm, I'm sure Peter has seen it with what Bitcoin did. Like, there's certain things that crypto and Bitcoin is categorized as if you talk about finance, number go up, how much you'll get rich, that is going to get the most clicks right now still to this day. At some point, and what we're trying to do, and I kind of know what what shows or what thoughts or just in general in the content creation market will get more hits. Um, we're still at that early stage where some of the best stories are still yet to be seen from environmentalists, from human rights groups, from so many others. A lot of people consuming this content are the clickbaity, you know, crypto content, whatever, uh, that, that like to view that stuff. So it's not surprising that studios turn you down. All I can say is you showed them. I mean, it's it's incredible. <laughs> well, we'll see. Twenty twenty four will tell. Twenty twenty four. Yeah. Well, I'm what I'm saying is the quality is there uh, of it. Um, mm -hmm. I'm so excited. I'm so incredibly excited to get it out. Um, but yeah, it, well, everything we, you said, it has it's, it's won. Huge. It has won a few awards. So yeah. more than a few. Um, I've stopped applying for for film festivals because. Um, they cost money every time we mm. apply for one or some of them we were invited. Um, also going into the holidays and going into editing for Dirty Coin. I, I gave Stranded like a good month of my marketing attention. Um, yeah. And one of the things I did with Stranded too was I wanted to see how the Bitcoin community felt about the way that I spoke about the subject. Um, mm -hmm. Because... I didn't, I wasn't going after, I'm, I'm making a documentary that I feel is missing in this space. There's a lot mm -hmm. of great documentaries out there. Um, I'm just creating the one that I feel is missing that I would tell my San Francisco friends that don't like Bitcoin or think that Bitcoin's bad for the environment. I want to give them that documentary that, you know, some of the other ones might seem a little culty or they might seem a little mm -hmm. like too incredible. Bitcoin is just too incredible. It just doesn't even sound real. Um, I wouldn't necessarily, I enjoy those. I love those, but I can't show that to somebody that's coming from hating, you know, you don't go yeah. from like hating to becoming a, you know, a, like a, uh, whatever a, a, a super duper fan cause. yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly i was gonna say words and then i'm like i'm not gonna say those words um mm. but yeah so that's the documentary that i that i um am making so stranded i wanted to make sure that meetups right now stranded is not available online but if anybody wants to screen it at their meetup all they have to do is reach out and they can screen it at their meetup 
Um, there's Trey, I sent it to you because we didn't know each other and I wanted you to see it. Um, and if I'm doing a podcast with somebody, I would, of course, and festivals need to. So it is technically it is online, but it's not, um, it's gated. Nobody can see it other than specific people. And, um, yeah, and we've been able to get really, really great feedback around the world. It has aired in Japan in Europe, many, in several places in Africa in several places in South America in several places, in the United States in several places. And I love that about the Bitcoin community. There's so many leaders in the Bitcoin community. These are people that like, when somebody wants like these meetup heads of meetups around the world, contact me, they have a cool logo. They have a consistent meetup. Mm -hmm. They have like their website or their Twitter page. Um, they are super organized. Like these are leaders. They organize yeah. like the whole thing. They get a bunch of people to go. They take pictures because I asked for proof of screening pictures. They take pictures. I mean, th this, these are not average folks. <laughs> these yeah. are really cool leaders, people that in all ages, all genders, all, mm -hmm. all walks of life, but all like, I, I get chills actually, because they're all like, somehow they're a leader. They're just somebody yeah. that wants to take charge and, and can see th things through. They, they take charge and they, they take it to completion, which is not something that a lot of people are capable of. Yeah. And it's always or a do. side hustle. These are not like <laughs> full-time Bitcoin company people, very rare. I mean, conferences, yes, you know, sometimes, but it's always right. people, this is their, you know, they have a day job. They're just like, somebody could be an Uber driver. Someone else can be like a football coach. Someone else can be like a lawyer. Like these are, yeah. it's their side gig. They're just really passionate. So you, it's also like, you know, that what they're putting into it is not for a paycheck. It's like, they're just really passionate about it. So they can't help, but want to do everything they can for that, that meetup. I totally have seen Yeah. That. Yeah. And it's awesome. And I've been to those meetups. I've been to a lot of meetups. That's why I knew that they were happening everywhere that I went to visit. I would look on meetup for my local meetup or I would ask on Twitter for, you know, back to Twitter uh, back on uh, about a local meetup. And then I would go and these meetups are, they're a great place to meet a lot of different people and you get to, uh, you know, here, but we were talking earlier about not agreeing on everything. And I think that that's actually so healthy. Like imagine, yeah. do you know of a husband and wife that agree on a hundred percent of everything? Right. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, yeah. And they love each other to death. And that's, and even a marriage is, is never going to see each other eye to eye. So I think expecting for the world to, to, to listen to a podcast, listen to somebody, listen to a friend, and be upset that you don't agree with everything that they say is, is a little immature because mm -hmm. they're, they have the right to see things their way. And not only the right, but as a humanity, we need to have different viewpoints because what if what, some of us are wrong? I mean, how are yeah. we going to survive as a species if we're all going in the same direction? Right. So I think it's actually healthy to have different viewpoints and to uh, be in a space. And I feel like I have friends now that we're all very honest about our feelings and very, uh, and, and who, and our beliefs. And mm -hmm. it's a very differently thinking space. I go to a friend's house that she has these like Trump in 2024 cuffs and like all these Trump cuffs that I'm like, ah, uh, but I love her, you know, and I yeah, love yeah, yeah. that she can put her Trump cuffs off and I'm not like, it's just, but I, that's not something that we can agree on. But 
I'll drink out of the cup, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll cheers to her and her family, you know, her, and for greeting us in her home. You know, we can, we don't have to agree on everything. I do appreciate her viewpoint on a lot of things. And we actually, on a bunch of issues, we do agree on, mm-hmm. you know, it's just maybe the candidate. <laughs> this episode of the Progressive Bitcoiner is brought to you by Zeus. Zeus is a self-custodial Bitcoin wallet for Android and iOS. The app features a built-in lightning node that allows you to take full control of how you make payments on chain and on lightning. You can easily onboard to the lightning network and let Zeus's lightning service provider Olympus do all the heavy lifting for you. Or you can get more hands-on and curate your own lightning channels with whoever you transact with most. Zeus has best-in-class privacy and allows you to have great peace of mind when sending and receiving lightning payments. Not only does the Zeus team not want to know how you're using your money, but they're building things in a way that they can't know. There's also a first-of-its-kind lightning address that will allow you to receive payments 24-7 to your mobile wallet self-custodially. This is a great solution for a range of people. For those who just want to have the technical ability to set up their own infrastructure, to nomads and dissidents that need to accept donations on the move. Other Lightning wallets don't give the users this level of control. In fact, many of them operate more like bank accounts that can be revoked and ultimately lead to you losing your money. With Zeus, you're in full control of your private keys and therefore can start to take full control of your financial destiny. To learn more and to learn where to download, head to ZeusLN.com. Well, that's um, that's something that's that's more and more rare. And we were talking before about this, just, you know, me doing and leading the the progressive Bitcoin, right? There's so many ways in which I would agree with a general, you know, no Bitcoin, like progressive, but so many ways where I, I probably wouldn't, right? And maybe would be viewed as like, oh, you're not with us on XYZ or something like that, right? But the important thing is like, I think Bitcoiners know this, I think in general, some Bitcoiners, um, I'd say most Bitcoiners, like you're in the minority of either group, whether it's right leaning or left leaning in the United States, which we polarize everything in the US and hearing from a lot, we have a lot of global listeners too. about, I'd say like 65% of our audience is US based 65, 70%, depending on the episode and a good 35% or so are are around the world. Bitcoiners just enjoy it and guest or something like that, which I think is so cool because this concept of progressive is so US based, but it's important to talk about that FUD. But you know, you're in the minority, like maybe 5% of either extreme, if you have independent views, if you're able to just listen and be open. And I really, really hope that I think the height of this, in my opinion, was like probably 2020, 2021, with like, okay, everyone has to agree on XYZ topic. Like, how do you feel on this? How do you feel on this? That dictates what political party you're in or what value set you have. My hope is every year that goes by, we get more engaged with critical thinking and more engaged with just like, what do you think about this? Like, you know, understanding you have right of backgrounds, your gender, your religion, your ethnicity, your your own education, all of this informs that. But we're still so stuck in that mindset. Like, wait, Trey said that? That's not progressive. Or Trey said that? That's not what a Bitcoiner should say. Or Trey said that? That's not what someone with his background said. You know, whatever. Who, who cares? Um, it, it's really hard to do that. But in general, talking with Bitcoiners, especially Bitcoiners at meetups, understand that, but we need to not underestimate a lot of the world is still stuck in that cycle. So, you know, tying it back to your film, I think this helps break through that. I really do um, in huge ways. I hope so. I mean, I I don't think that people that think that Bitcoin is bad are bad or dumb or anything. They're just, you know, they're I, a friend of mine just sent me a film that they were working on and it's a complete, it's a subject that I know nothing about. And I, they have spent like the last three years like digging into and, mm. 
while I was working on Bitcoin mining, you know, like I was doing the same amount of work and digging except for, you know, Bitcoin mining, Bitcoin mining companies, energy Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, electricity providers around the world, all these different. So, of course, I didn't know about that. Of course, he doesn't know about Bitcoin mining because he he just most people just know headline deep. That's it. Bitcoin mining is banned in so-and-so country because it's bad for the environment. Bitcoin consumes as much as X amount of houses. Bitcoin is bad for the environment. Um, Ban Bitcoin, change the code. That's the headline deep, um, you know, and the science is also pretty shallow as well, the science behind Mm -hmm. the rest. So even if you were to read the rest, but people necessarily basically just go on that headline. And I coming from Google Cloud, coming from my background as a filmmaker at Google Cloud and having several cloud companies that were my clients, we were looking at, you know, what is happening at the data center? Mm-hmm. You know, the data center is not sexy. Code is not sexy. It is mm-hmm. not sexy. To software, it really isn't sexy. Yeah, some has very beautiful UI and then it's, you know, sexy UI. But the software, it's it's just, it's what, that software enables. It's mm-hmm. what it does. You know, it's 10,000 songs in your pocket, right? What what Steve Jobs says. It's not mm-hmm. a little thing with a button that does the, like, it is running. It is a healthier lifestyle. It is you working with music on, like, it's, it's, it's listening to a podcast. It's getting smarter. It's getting, you know, it's not about the hardware itself. So I had been focusing on the, because I couldn't focus on the hardware because the hardware is just literally a computer. The video would be very boring. It would literally be a computer doing nothing that you can't see from the outside. Um, But it's, what does that enable? What does that technology enable? That that technology enables connection and enables communication and enables uh, financial transactions. It enables different things that are in this global world that we are all connected. We are now all connected. And millennials were the, we're, we're the ones, maybe the last generation that will remember not having the internet, but only barely, only barely, yeah. because I was pretty young when I, when, I mean, it was dial up. So it wasn't the internet that we have today, mm-hmm. but the next generation they're they've already come to this connectivity where they can meet with anybody in the world at any time. They can call anybody in the world without having to pay an $80 phone bill. Mm-hmm. You know, it's free with the internet connection. They're all, like, we are connected. And this technology is not going away unless like there's no putting this pan, this genie back in the box. This is what we live in. And so to single out Bitcoin and to, to even if somebody doesn't like Bitcoin, when I talk to them and you know, you're going to have listeners that are going to be like, well, I don't agree. And that's okay. Um, because we just said we don't have to all agree. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's okay. But you don't even need to like Bitcoin. But the idea that banning a computer for doing simple math, simple math equations that is supporting an industry that supports a virtual digital cash, a digital cash that does not need a third party to validate the transaction, that is literally changing the world, that the miners, instead of being dirty, are actually, yeah, you're right, they're consuming a ton of electricity that is super cheap, that is stranded, that is wasted most of the time. So this actually has become a great thing for the energy sector, which is 
this is where dirty coin comes in. This mm. is that's the part that I focused on. But then Bitcoin itself, then there's other people that have focused on the other other portions of Bitcoin. But it's really important to to have a critical critical idea and a minimum level of knowledge of Bitcoin and blockchain and and Bitcoin mining. Mm-hmm. I think at this point in our in our society, we need to understand what high powered computers are, how AI runs, how it operates. I think it's time for the for the IQ of everybody to go up. Um, or at least those of us who are leaders, you know, mm-hmm. that need to that at least will or influencers in our communities. Those people are it's important for them to understand because we cannot be um we cannot let this attack against bitcoin because it's bad for the environment open the door for code censorship, for math censorship, for the uh, the ability to dictate who gets to use electricity for what purpose. I mean, there are, this is such a slippery slope that, mm-hmm. um, sometimes it kind of makes you sound like you have, you know, you got to put, you have your tinfoil hat on, but yep. you look at other countries where the, the similar things happened a few years ago and you see them today. Um, and you know, if you get your electricity cut off, you're pretty much cut off from, from the world. You know, mm-hmm. if you get your internet cut off, you're cut off from the world. So this policing that's occurring on the internet and on the use of electricity is one that in the future, it's going to, it's already critical in our lives and in the future is going to be extra critical. So you could be canceled to the point of, well, you don't have access to the internet or you don't have access to, to, to telecommunications in general, or you Mm -hmm. don't have access to electricity. And, and I just, for, I mean, obviously we don't talk about all of that in dirty coin, but for me, it's about really like planting these seeds of of doubt in people that maybe thought that bitcoin mining was bad but now understand that this really does open the door for other things and understand bitcoin mining better understand that this is just part of the world that we live in understanding that an aws data so i have a, a meme that i made that is one is an aws data center and the other one is riot in rockdale and i'm like mm-hmm. which one mines bitcoin and which one hosts 4k pornhub videos yeah, yeah you know who who gets to decide that the Pornhub videos that are 4K um, are more important information to be stored in a computer so that you can get your porn really fast when you look for it? It's like you look for it and you, you, got, you want that porn right away. So that service needs to have access to data centers all over the world so that mm-hmm. that data has a low latency. How much electricity are they spending on what kind of porn are we going to start policing that as well? And I'm not saying that we shouldn't, I'm not saying that, but it's like, what? let's expand the conversation to what this means beyond Bitcoin and what this will mean for all of the other applications of technology that also use the same thing. Mm-hmm. So what is Bit, what door is Bitcoin opening um, with this kind of, with, with regulation um, and which doors are Bitcoin, is Bitcoin closing with regulation, or more importantly, what I mean to say is how are legislators using Bitcoin as the way to A, maybe squash Bitcoin, but maybe it's not that, maybe it's not that they want to squash Bitcoin. Maybe they just really truly think that it's bad for the environment because they are unaware of all of the other issues. Mm -hmm. Or maybe there are people that are already looking at how are we going to control the internet or how are we going to control AI computers or different companies from having access to which AI or how powerful the AI is. 
maybe if we then start throttling it over here in two to three years, when this becomes an issue, we now have something that is a president that we can now use. Maybe not everybody thinks that far in advance. I don't know. But I do know that the conversation needs to be had because I do believe that not understanding that Bitcoin um, is a data center and that mm -hmm. Facebook has data centers and Google has data centers and Amazon and Alibaba and, you know, your self-driving car is connected to uh, a satellite that's connected to a data center. So all of this is the reality that we live in today. And I find it fascinating. I mean, I personally find it great and fun. Fascinating is a word. I find it a little scary, um, <laughs> but that's a good uh, word too. It, it's fascinating too. And I, I think, you know, in, in general, this is not a, um, I think this is irregardless of political party. And I think those that speaking to progressives and I was just telling you about our kind of target audience of those that were tapped into like Occupy Wall Street, those that have been tapped into these systems of like the 1%, the 99, just being f worried about kind of these ruling class parties. That's, you find different people that are tuned in on that in many different political ideologies, right? But progressives Absolutely. as well. This whole progressives of like Elizabeth Warren and centralization, that's foreign to me. Now, there, there are probably progressives or those are very like political party blue Democrats. Like that's not, that's not going to be our target audience. I'm sorry. I don't think you guys are going to be team Bitcoin unless you start being a little weary of, of that. That's my personal opinion on that. But I will say, in general, we are just trending more and more in that direction of centralization on a lot of things. And for me, it's irregardless of whether someone thinks Bitcoin mining is bad for the environment, like regardless of their intention with why someone would have wanted to squash Bitcoin or why someone would have wanted to squash different things or not have the internet as open as it is, the end result is the same. And it's not a pretty picture. Um, it's individuals choosing how people are going to live their lives in a world where everything is tapped into the cloud. Everything is tapped into the internet. That's not a world I would like to, to live in, uh, regardless of if you're, okay, my team's in the White House or my team is you know, leading this, this uh, country or in Germany or wherever. What about the next uh, election cycle? What about you know, your local election cycles? Like, why don't we just remove that part uh, from decision-making? That, I think, is a deeply progressive value historically um, to have people leading their own lives, but it's just regardless of that. I just think it creates a better planet. So I am um, very worried about that in the future. I don't know if much will change this year uh, potentially, but it feels like it's coming more and more to a head. And I'm definitely not a doomsdayer in terms of like our lives will look radically different this year or in the next five years. It, it's always kind of a slippery, sneaky slope uh, <laughs> with these people as time goes on. And then you kind of look back in the rearview mirror I think Matt O'Dell talks about this a lot, actually. It's kind of like it happens slowly and you look back and you're like, how did, how did we get here? Oh, okay. It's all of these different, different points. Like Bitcoiners love to talk yes. about the end of the gold standard, right? That was 71 to today. It's still unraveling. You know what I mean? That was, that was a long time. Like there were some drastic things that happened in the seventies, but you look back and you're like, okay, that's how we're here now. And it, it, this is how it's still happening. But anyway. I mean, I will say that, you know, it doesn't matter who's in the White House um, or if your team or not is in the White House, who's leading the the CIA and the FBI and who's who's in those organizations and how much power are we giving them? Yeah. And that's and something the NSA that, and the tech companies. Yeah. 
yeah, how much power are we giving them? And we don't need to have microphones set up in every corner of, of town, which is like when we look at the future being, you know, big brother, we would visualize these like hidden microphones and these like hidden cameras, but we have the microphones right here. And most Mm -hmm. of us have it like right next to us at all times. And I'll have conversations with people where, you know, they'll say like, oh, we're outside. We're, we're private. Like we're alone. Like, oh, we can finally talk or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, do you have your phone on you? We're not alone. (laughs) Like we're, and that is a, that is an interesting place to be in to feel that. I mean, what is it? The cypherpunk manifesto says privacy is not secrecy. Mm -hmm. And and if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but it's something, basically I get to choose which parts of me I reveal to the world. Yeah. When I put on clothing, I get to decide which parts of me I reveal to the world. As a woman, I decide if I'm going to have a cleavage, if I'm going to basically give that part to my world, mm-hmm. to, of, of my world to the people, right? And if they see it, I put it there, right? If that's that's something that I that I have decided to put up. But if I want to cover up, that's also my my choice. I get to decide what how much of my body I get to ch- to show to the world, and the rest is private. The rest mm-hmm. is mine. I get to I that's my thing. That's my husband's. That's my personal space. Well, it's not my husband's, but he enjoys it. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but for when it comes to communicating online and, and same thing, like with my kids, I don't talk about everything with my husband in front of my kids. I decide what they listen and what they don't. That is, in my opinion, an important thing um, mm-hmm. to be able to keep some certain things private. And we are in a situation where because all of our communication and all of our transactions are digital and online, then all of them can be traced in a way that we haven't been traced before. Mm-hmm. And these, and not just that, but the IoT devices that we have in our homes as well, those are also being used against people in, in, in during, in the court. And mm-hmm. I mean, a citizen, um, I think is the name of the documentary on, um, I can't believe I would almost remember the name and not remember his name. Um, the whistleblower, Citizen oh, Edward, Snowden? Is this? Edward Snowden. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and in that documentary, they had some really great footage of the um, a trial where I believe it was AT and T or one of the big ones, T Mobile mm-hmm. or AT and T, was in the San Francisco um, court, and the judge was saying, "But do you?" ask them a question. He asked them a question, basically, can you, have you looked at your client's um, data and information without a warrant or something like that? And they said, we cannot answer that. And the judge says, why can't you, this is a judge, this is a, this is a court, this is a United States court, you need to Mm -hmm. answer. And they were like, we have clearance from above you that we cannot answer that question here today. And the judge was like, the hell has clearance from above us like this is this is so that was an interesting situation as to you know what what's occurring there and how much even our judges are aware of what's occurring and there's going to be a lot of human rights violations before we get wise on what's Mm -hmm. occurring and we start really a cranking down i think that we're in the wild west of the internet where everything goes you know where you know anybody can create a website or a product and you know put some ads on Google and get people to buy it and use it. 
And that could be very easily websites, even like this one that I love Riverside could easily be spun up by um, a country that does not, is not friendly to ours and is trying to look for information or whatever. I mean, or somebody is trying to reap and this is something that we were really concerned about at one of the companies that I worked for was who made the software? Is it, where is the company that the software was made? Because we knew that we were going to be recording sensitive information with, in that software, who is going, we already, we took for granted that whoever developed the software could see our recordings. We took it for granted. So who are, who are they? Can we trust them? Mm-hmm. So but you know, we were in a company that could do their due diligence before bringing on a vendor, and we were in a company that could do that. But most most people can't don't have that level of of a, access to due diligence. Mm-hmm. They're just going to download whatever thing had the best UI and the best ad and the best Instagram you know presence. Yeah. So we can be very easily manipulated, and you know that we are on these apps. And I, I, I definitely, I think the reason why I keep hope is because I am a mother and because mm. I can't, I need to be a part of how we are more like solar punk, you know, and more yeah. like, how can we like Disney's version of the future was, I'm sure he had some dark ideas. I mean, he lived through world war two. He was just mm-hmm. out of world war one. So I'm sure that while Disney could see how bad things could get, but he was still a futurist. He still had a positive vision of the future. And many of the, my favorite futurists were writing at a time where the world was going through its worst time. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that we, some of us can lose hope. And I think I'm in that camp where I just, I I'm, I'm on team, team hope, um, that need, and not just hope and pray, sit and pray, but work and get, try to get to where, what I'm hoping to do. So I'm not mm-hmm. just hoping I'm making movies about it. I'm creating events surrounding this, where I'm bringing minds together to talk about these issues. So it's not just sitting and praying. Um, although praying is always good, mm-hmm. you know, being in communication with God is always good, but it's also about what, what are you doing about it? And that's something that since I started doing things about it, I have a really hard time. I, I, I have a hard time gossiping and complaining about things since I've started doing a lot of things about everything in my life. Since yeah. I've started taking responsibility over things because it's really easy to just kind of sit around and complain about everything, about the roads, about the government, about the schools, about the this, about the that, about the this, about the that. But that's exhausting. I mean, mm-hmm. what are you doing to change any of that? Yeah. Um, and you know, I just happened to be at a, at a, at the right place at the right time for a lot of things. And I happen to know a lot of things because part of my job is recording really, really, really genius people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then editing them to suit my story, my needs. So mm-hmm. I have to like understand them enough to, to cut pieces of them to weave into my quilt, which is, you know, the films that I make. And, um, I'm, I'm happy that that has made me smarter than I would have been had I not had this mm. job. Um, and it has put me in rooms that I would have never been in and speaking with people that I would have never spoken with. Um, and it has really expanded my worldview. And I think that things can be done in this world. I think people can make a difference. You just need to hustle. You got to move. Um, but I can't lose hope of where we're going, but I see my, we have a, I have two sci-fi horrors that are my greatest fears, you know, 
<laughs> I feel like my sci-fi is my therapeutic space where I can yeah. go and like say how bad it can be and how terrible it's all going to go. And I'm going to hire an incredible director that is like, you know, well, it's very uh, in right now. Of course, yeah, I don't is. know if you, you, the, the, the famous Obama's production film, I saw it a couple of weeks ago oh, on Netflix. Which um, one? Oh my gosh. I am, I am blanking on it. Uh, Julia Roberts I actually do think it. I know. Is it with Julia Roberts? The one with Julia yes. Roberts? Yep, yep. I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like a cyber attack type thing. It's based on, what, based on a book? Um, yeah, pretty sure it's based on a book. Um, eh, I didn't think it was that great. But um, <laughs> the ending, I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I won't, I won't spoil that for people. But that that's happening. There's it. like a futuristic Civil War movie, I understand, coming out next week uh, about different factions, or next week next year right around the political cycle I, well now it's this year my goodness we're in we're in january that's um, right yeah so there's a lot of there's a lot of that happening right now in in film and futuristic but i i want to tug on one point you said which is referring back to disney and thinking back to some of these folks that were in some of the darkest times in human history when there was a real chance the world could end right um <laughs> i think at those points in a lot of ways we're in a better position now than we were then and in some ways the dark things that could come are very hidden and very unpredictable. Like AI is probably one of the most unpredictable things we've ever faced as a species in a world. Like we really don't really know. And our governmental leaders have shown they're not to be trusted. And I don't say that in a tinfoil hat way. It's like a lot of them just, they're not the smartest people in the room. A lot of no. them are there to get reelected. You know, these are some of the folks that are here to regulate certain aspects of what's to come. Um, there's certain conversations. There's a lot of talk around um, aliens and UFOs. And there, there's so much that's very interesting, uh, very scary. But I think also these are the times when humanity decides which way do we want to go, right? And I think a huge topic I kind of pull on that I really try to talk to a lot of my progressive friends and folks from the left about, especially, especially those that have drank the Kool-Aid of like Elizabeth Warren, like I'm here in Massachusetts that think centralized government authority is the way to dictate certain things or, or outcomes, right? Um, there's a lot of different types of progressives. I am not one that really focuses on that. I, I'm a lot more into collective action, local action, you know, human movements, not necessarily a top-down government movement, which is a bit newer for, for progressives to rally behind now, I guess. I don't know with Elizabeth Warren. Um, but trying to talk with them about, you know, we can't underestimate, we have to take into effect personal decisions and you waking up every day and saying, what are you going to do about something? What is my family going to do about something? What's the change I want to make in the community? Rather than waiting for someone in DC or wherever you are, your central authority in Europe, in an African nation, wherever to make that change for you, their incentives are not lined up for them to do that, regardless of their intention. Some don't have good intentions. Some might have good intentions. It's just, it, it's too much to term. So what are you going to do? You have to make that personal choice to eat better, be a better better partner, be a better friend, take this responsibility in your community, whatever, rather than expecting other people to do it for you. Um, and that's one of the only things I trust at this point is if we all kind of do that, I think the world would be in a better spot. I'm hopeful on that. I'm hopeful we can move more in that direction. I echo you. I think that smaller communities and more involvement in your local government. I, I also think that change can happen faster than you think. Um, 
in California, I was living in Santa Clara and I was in Campbell at the time. And there were, there were some things going down, um, regarding, regarding a, some rules for like the farmer's market. So very small town thing, mm-hmm. but my office was there and the, one of the best farmer's market actually in California, which I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were some, there were just some, some things, some, some drama and some gossip going on in the business owners, like business group for, for downtown. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to march up to the government, which was like a block away. Um, Cause that's where the mayor is. And I'm going to like, going to figure that. Like, I was like, I had this idea that I was going to like fight this huge battle. And it wasn't a battle at all. All I had to do was like go and show up and like talk to some folks and, you know, write some things down and it was handled. You know, like, I feel like also, did you spend more time bitching about it or doing something about it? You mm-hmm. know, because you could, I could have, bitched about it I could have written more on like the forum and on the chat about how awful this decision was or I could have you know gone and walked written directly to the person I needed to speak with and handle it and I didn't do it alone I went with I went with a couple of other people um but not that it mattered because we didn't even see that person. It's not like, you know, strength right. in numbers, like all we had yeah, to yeah, do yeah. is like write this up. So I think that change can come faster than you think, because when you start really looking at who's around you, um, you can see that there are people that do want to help. And there are a lot of people that still run for these positions because, you know, they want to help. They want to have, they do see themselves as public servants. And I, I have met those politicians as well. And I'm not anti all politicians. I'm just weary of all of them. And I understand, you know, the situation that they need to get voted in and stuff. But I do believe that there are great people in government. There's great people. uh, Usually the person that you hate is, is a, is a, better person and a nicer person than you think that they are. You know, mm-hmm. there's always something that helps that, you know, saves the cat in, in writing. It's saving the cat. Something that somebody does that mm-hmm. shows their humanity, shows that they're, they're actually a good person and uh, kind of changes your mind about them. So I don't know. I think it's important to always keep an open mind. Critical thinking. I completely agree with you, Trey. C- critical thinking is the one thing that we should all agree on. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. the fact that we can all agree to, to think more, um, and to be more, um, uh, open to listening to other, other viewpoints because other viewpoints, that's not just your time to like, okay, now I'm going to, again, something I tell my kids to just pretend to listen to your brother, like actually listen to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I'm like, listen to what he's saying. It's like, okay. It's like, you're yeah. not listening, like, listen, like actually listen to what they're saying, internalize it see if maybe you should stop doing that because it's the noise of shit out of him, you know, mm. instead of just, well, he's a jerk. And then, well, she's a jerk. And then da, 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 da. it's like children, like children, but I'm teaching mm. my children to be better communicators. So because I've noticed that becoming a better communicator doesn't come with time. It comes with training. It comes with yeah. understanding and learning and reading and observing other people, how they communicate. And that's an important skill that you also need to consciously work on some of the best communicators that I know, um, have worked a lot on their communication skills. They've either done courses or they've done Toastmasters or they've read books or they practice, or they just inevitably practice because they're giving speeches or doing podcasts all the time. Mm-hmm. So that inevitably gives you the, pra- the practice. Um, and that is how you get better at something. And if you're not intentional and in wanting to communicate better, you're not 
it's not going to just, you're going to get better as you get older. And that's what I've noticed with my kids. Of course, you know, language increases, but the ability to listen, internalize, like, like really have understand how that communication, what, what it means to communicate, to get your idea across to somebody into their minds and what it means to then acknowledge to somebody that you receive that. So all of these different things, if you don't, if you don't teach them, I don't think they're natural because I've met a lot of adults that don't, (laughs) a lot of old people that also don't know that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, this is something that we need to be, um, you know, we're never done learning and we're never done um, eh, becoming better, you know? And I think that that's, that's part of the fun of life. Hi, everyone. Hope you're enjoying the episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bitbox. Now, Bitbox is a hardware wallet that's open source, incredibly secure and easy to use. And it's what I'm using to safely secure my Bitcoin in cold storage. Now, I know self-custodying Bitcoin can really be intimidating, but Bitbox is designed for ease of use without compromising on security. It's USB-C compatible and allows you to easily back up and restore your private keys with a micro SD card, which is really cool. Now you can purchase the BitBox using the promo code TPB at the link found in the show notes for 5% off your purchase. And I really want to thank BitBox for their support of the podcast. And I'm really excited about this new partnership. All right, I'll let you get back to the episode now. And for those thinking while you're listening to this podcast, how did we get on all of these topics? How did we, it makes perfect sense to me because, and I kind of figured this, even not knowing too much about you before this conversation, like looking in and researching what I could, um, watching the film, you know, just coming at the world from a filmmaker's perspective and with your background, obviously it's about telling stories. Obviously about it's about tapping into the human condition. It's about trying to tell a story with a particular narrative. It's about Bitcoin, which once you're in Bitcoin for a while, you realize that means a million different things. Um, so all of exactly. this makes perfect sense uh, that we're talking <laughs> about all these things. But what, one thing I will say too, this theme ties into to everything with with Stranded and with Dirty Coin and with telling this story about Bitcoin in general, because one thing that that Bitcoin does and in getting into Bitcoin, a lot of a lot of people, I think, get into Bitcoin because they first see that there's a problem. Right. So I think one of the first things people have to address is coming to a place where they do see a problem with it, whether it's the financial system, whether it's OK, are for me looking at things from an environmentalist perspective as well. Um, our climate movements have not been making the changes that I would have thought five, 10 years ago. They just have not in terms of some of those metrics for global warming and government involvement and this and that. Like, I'm sorry, those movements have not been doing what they've been good for Instagram and social media. I'm going to be very blunt. Like, I feel like that's a lot of what people are getting into because it makes them feel a certain way. They, They feel like they're getting in and it's meaningful to them. That's good. But I got more into Bitcoin because I'm like, I'm tired of not seeing things change. I'm tired of problems existing with no solutions. Now, Bitcoin does not fix everything. Like we're talking about politics and, and AI and all this other stuff. That is, that is not a solution that Bitcoin fixes. Do I think Bitcoiners can help address that because we've identified some other problems in this world and we're some of the first groups of people to say, eh, something's not right here. Uh, we don't really trust this. Yeah, I, I think we're some folks that can lead on more than just Bitcoin. Are there some Bitcoiners that go a little too far? Yeah, probably. So, you know, let's let's try to find a happy medium and, and make some changes. But sometimes they're not wrong. You know, usually history history tells with this. Um, but one thing, speaking of Bitcoiner that I wanted to touch with you on, because we talked about this a little bit, you know, what for you was a light bulb moment with with Bitcoin and wanting to tell these stories and, and get more into Bitcoin yourself? What was kind of the 
the central point of that for you? Or points, hmm. I'm sure it was many different things. There were definitely many different points, but for me, the biggest point was learning. I'm half Cuban. My mom is Cuban. My father mm. is Puerto Rican. And then I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. Okay. Um, my Cuban parents left Cuba. And when my mother was uh, in her, in my mom, in my grandmother's belly, actually. Um, so my grandparents left Cuba with nothing but the clothing on their backs and two kids and my grandmother was pregnant and mm. they that's their they went to the united states um they were in atlanta and they were very racist against them in atlanta mm. um and so they decided to move to puerto rico because it was like the united states but in spanish mm -hmm. and and then that's why they came and so and so my grandfather lived here for like 50 years or something like that so he's very well known and loved here on the island which i'm very proud of um, he's a El Cubano, right? He's the, the Cuban. Still mm. speaks like a Cuban and he's 94 years old. Oh, wow. Lived in Puerto Rico forever. Um, so he, he, I was talking to him one day. And so I'm very in tune with Cuba. I'm very in tune with what you can bring and not bring to Cuba. Um, uh, at least until Fidel died, actually. Because then after that, uh, my grandfather stopped going because of health reasons with his wife mm. and stuff. So there were, there were some... Anyway... My whole life, I grew up with knowing how often you can go, how often, uh, what you can send. We would send them uh, mail and they would always arrive open. Everything mm -hmm. was monitored in Cuba and everything was was um, controlled. And so when um, I posted something on Facebook once about Bitcoin and my grandfather and I speak weekly and we're speaking on the phone and he was like, oh yeah, Bitcoin. I saw that you posted something about Bitcoin. Um Cubans are using Bitcoin from Spain to send to Cuba. So in mm. Cuba, people are using this Bitcoin that you mentioned. Um, and I was like, whoa. And this was like 2019, 2018. So this was like, I hadn't even really thought of Bitcoin as money without borders, you know? Yeah. And that part to me... I, I was still seeing it from my, I was living in San Jose at the time. So I was still seeing it from my like Silicon Valley, yeah. like, whoa, great tech, great money mm -hmm. kind of perspective. And hadn't maybe theoretically thought about, you know, money without borders, but not really. So it wasn't mm -hmm. until I was like, wow, you can't, they would monitor how much cash you would bring into the country for example, yeah. like they would actually check how much cash you were bringing in. So this is a country where they would monitor that yet. You could send like a million dollars worth of Bitcoin. I don't know if anybody ever did that, but like mm -hmm. if you could, you could send whatever amount of Bitcoin to somebody in Cuba. That's when I dug into it more and became, I would say a Bitcoiner at that mm -hmm. point when I realized that it was open, trustless, decentralized, you know, I didn't have to trust on any one thing on any one person. Um, the more I researched it, the more I liked it. It was kind of hush hush because uh, Bitcoin already had a dirty reputation in Silicon Valley as for drugs, actually, because of Silk yeah. Road. Most people, yep. if you were into Bitcoin, oh, what you're buying drugs? Like that was mm -hmm. the reason why most people <laughs> were into Bitcoin was to buy drugs on Silk Road. Um, and and so. I didn't buy drugs on Silk Road. I never did anything. I never even got on the website. 
Um, so for me, bringing up that I was in Bitcoin, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to have those kind of images conjure in people's heads that I was like, you know, paying for stuff on Silk Road. Um, and later it became like, it, it was just not really, I don't know. It wasn't sexy. It's funny considering that I, we, we were in like the Mecca of technology. There were a few hardcore friends of mine and we were like closet Bitcoiners and we would like, you know, talk about it together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't really something I would, I was very open about, not on LinkedIn or anything. Um, but when I left Google and I looked at, I do a lot of work on myself and on my business and a lot of journaling and workshopping. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked at what is my, what is my icky guy? You know, like, what am mm-hmm. I good at? What, what do I know? Like, what do I want to do, et cetera. And that's when I realized that I don't want to do Bitcoin only content because I, um, I have a lot of ideas of a lot, about a lot of mm-hmm. different things. And so it's not just all about Bitcoin. Um, but I didn't want to start with Bitcoin. I wanted to start with Bitcoin because, because of my background in Google cloud, um, doing my transition from agency filmmaker to company filmmaker, mm-hmm. like a production company for entertainment IP purposes. It's the same thing, but a completely different business model. You know, yeah. one is, I make a documentary for a company, they pay me, done. This is, I have no client other than like the world, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. does the world like it? Does the world want to pay for it? Um, So that's different. And I knew I wanted to make my first mark with Bitcoin because I understood it. I knew it. I knew how to communicate it. I saw that Bitcoin had a image problem <laughs> with mm-hmm. yep. it, the dirty reputation that it had, especially with the mining side. Um, I felt it was important to talk about what our physical footprint looks like mm-hmm. of this in digital life that we live. Um, so I felt like being able to come out as a Bitcoiner for whatever that meant. And I came out, you know, in 2021, like late 2021. So I came mm-hmm. out after I had already told people to buy. I know that being said, though, when I moved to Puerto Rico, I will say this in 2021, while I was still not, uh, uh, I was still a closet Bitcoiner. A friend of mine is the executive director of the Puerto Rico Blockchain Trade Association. Mm-hmm. And they do a lot of crypto classes and NFT classes and Web3 classes and blockchain classes. And I was like, I want to do a Bitcoin only class just Mm -hmm. because there's so much noise regarding all these other, there's so much, how about not noise? Because I was talking with the people that created the products. Um, Mm -hmm. There's so much um, variety of things that you guys do that I think that I should give us a seminar that's just about Bitcoin um, so that you know, we just focus on Bitcoin and that way it's mm-hmm. just an hour, an hour is barely enough time to just talk about Bitcoin. So I'm just going to do it. And she was like, yes. And it was then that I spoke to a room of like 200 people. A lot of people showed up oh, that wow. night, which I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to talk to them about Bitcoin in Spanish. I did that presentation in Spanish and I did a whole presentation there. And I had a couple of folks come up to me after and talk to me about like, how do I accept Bitcoin in my business, because for me, it was more like if it's if you earn your Bitcoin, then then, you know, that's that's kind of better in a Mm -hmm. way because you don't have to buy it. And if you can earn your Bitcoin, you don't you're not putting your dollars at stake. If you still don't believe if you still believe in your precious dollars over anything else, then keep your precious dollars. You why don't you do a side gig if you're interested in Bitcoin, do a side gig 
bill in Bitcoin. Um, and, and that was kind of like the side that I went with a lot of business owners was start accepting or for my, my, my plea to big business owners in the group was start accepting Bitcoin, you know, Mm -hmm. start experimenting with it. That's, that's all that's, the least that you can do is just set it up. If a customer comes in Puerto Rico, we have a lot of crypto folks coming through. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if even if you get one client every two months, that's a, that's a bill that you're stacking sats and it's a small way to experiment with that. So I wasn't pushy on like, buy, buy, buy. I was mm-hmm. pushy on like, use see how it works, you know, like get involved, like get get a wallet, send, send some, send some Bitcoin from one wallet to another wallet that you both, that you own both, like, Mm -hmm. like work, work with that kind of stuff. And that's where, um, I realized that I had a good way of orange pilling people, but because my intention is never to orange pill anybody. Like I, I always want people to, my intention is to show the different ways that they could possibly use Bitcoin and and if people are excited about incorporating it, I definitely don't regret incorporating it to my business. It's going to be a core. It already is a core of film kick. And now that it's divided into three, Bitcoin is going to be um, a way that we operate across all three. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, Bitcoin for me is just even if our films are not about Bitcoin, things are still going to be built in sats when you go to the when you know, the, our mm-hmm. main characters go to the stores. So there's going to there's there's a way that I want to introduce Bitcoin again to, to my kind of people, to my niche of tech nerds that live in coastal, coastal elite tech nerds, I would say is my niche and they are my friends and they're a mm-hmm. lot of people like me. I would consider, I was, I was one of those in Puerto Rico, New York city, you know, San Jose, San Francisco. So I'm, I'm one of those. And I would say I'm very left in many ways. And I just, I just don't, the, I'm it's for so many years I haven't used buckets um, and labels. It's hard for me to like, it's like, of course I agree with the left. Of course I agree with the right on that. Of course I agree with these people on that. You know, there's always every side has something really um, fascinating to that's what makes them survive for as long as yeah. they do is that they do have these core truths that, you know, appeal to a large number of people. Yeah. But anyway, I'm rambling now. I decided uh, that I, you know, you, you need, it's okay. One, one more little rant. You want to get rid of ego. You want to get rid of ego, but as an artist, you need the ego because nobody needs another movie. Nobody needs another, anything, another, Mm -hmm. like another movie, another show, another podcast, another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody needs it. Nobody wakes up thinking like I need this or I'll die. Like it's Mm -hmm. not an important, vital thing yet you as a creator need to have enough in order to get that done. You need to have enough ego to think, no, it needs to get done. And it needs to be me that does it this way, because I'm going to do it this way. And for the, for the people that I'm making this for, they're going to appreciate it this way. And that is what I'm doing. And it requires ego to get up to that place. Because if you really just go, no ego, you just stop creating. And there have been points in my life where I have kind of reached that point of really good spiritual feeling of like, you know, 
I don't need to do anything for my ego and just like a lot of great places. But it's funny because then I've noticed that my creativity and my productivity has actually gone down during that because I'm just so Mm -hmm. calm. (laughs) You know, it's so like nothing needs to happen. And I'm just going to focus on these other tasks of the business. And I, I don't actually... I can't be a director that way. I can't put my mm. foot down when it's like, no, it has to be red because I see it red and in my mind it's red and it just has to be red. I'm sorry, guys. It has to be red. Yeah. You know? And you have to do that. Um, you need to have, you need to, I guess, learn how to drive your ego dial up and down a little bit in order to accomplish things as an artist. At least that's what I have found in my 37 years of life. So I still have more to learn and grow. Um, but Yes, I felt I have a particular way of talking to people about Bitcoin um, that is not judgy, yet it is very focused on Bitcoin. Um, originally, because that was the only one I understood. So when other people were talking about Ethereum and other things, I was like, and so Lana, I was like, oh, uh, I'll just stick to Bitcoin because that's the one I understand. And then I saw certain projects go by the wayside and I've been in crypto long enough that I've seen certain things happen. And uh, anyway, I'm very happy to create this. I'm very happy people put people like Stranded. Um, Dirty Coin premieres on April 20th, 2024 at the Bitcoin Film Festival in Warsaw. And I'm really excited for 2024 and getting people to see Dirty Coin um, and having that broader conversation on more podcasts, on more uh, shows and get people to kind of talk about Bitcoin a little differently. And I think it's going to coincide with um, another bull run. So I think Mm -hmm. that it's a great timing for my film. I could be wrong, of course, but I have a feeling that I'm not, especially since the film is going to come out during the halving. I mean, it's such an exciting time. And I'm, I'm so happy that, you know, with price action, people get curious um, with things and it's, going to be really great to point them to really good resources like how many more resources exist today that didn't in the previous bull run right so it's like every time you get a bull run it's like okay yeah yeah yeah. you're you're hey if you're setting up your family and your future better like speaking as a millennial that's one of the other selfish reasons i got into bitcoin was for that but also all of these other tool focuses um that's great right also Look at all of these other things that Bitcoin is unlocking and unleashing and, you know, showing things like dirty coin and that stranded aspect and all of this is going to be huge, I think, for and when I talk about progressives from our platform, we talk more like progressive values because I'm like, I don't care who you vote for. I don't need you to agree with X, Y, Z on everything. But, you know, tending to focus on things that in general progressives like to talk about, like human rights, the environment, social inequality, these type of things. So where does Bitcoin come to play with that? Well, your film is something that, you know, I definitely want to be showcasing and advertising anything that you're talking about. Um, going to highly recommend people make it out to, to Warsaw if they, if they can, um, for those events. But I, I guess one thing in, uh, one kind of closing question I have for you, if what, what is your hope for people that view this film, especially people that have been skeptical of Bitcoin or don't know much about Bitcoin? What is your hope? Uh, that they'll leave viewing this this film with? I hope that when somebody finishes Dirty Coin, they kind of go like, wow, I didn't know that. Like, I didn't mm. know that at all. Because then they're going to identify 
other people that also don't know those things. So when you, they're legislators or they're politicians or they're, you know, whoever else, they're shitcoin competition that's telling them that Bitcoin is bad for the environment. Um, I want people to really just kind of go like, wow, interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that. And leave the, leave the theater if it goes to theaters or turn it off um, thinking, huh, that's really interesting. I want to look more into this. I want to see if that's true. I want to look up this person and see if that's true. Are they still in business? Is that still the case? Are they still generating heat in Finland with Bitcoin miners? Is that the case? Because, mm-hmm. you know, somebody could watch this three years from now or like the movie, like a few years from now. And I don't know if these companies are still going to be in yeah. business, right? So what's going to happen? So I want people to become curious about it, even if they want to prove it wrong, even if they mm-hmm. looked at Dirty Coin and they're like, ah, this only depicted, you know, good stories. So of course, you know, which I don't, but let's say it's mostly a certain, certain, it has a slant, obviously. I mean, I'm the yep. director. There's only, there's, it's, I can't, I, I'd be lying to you if I tell you that it doesn't have a slant. Of course it has a slant, but I want people to be, to, to ignite a curiosity about Bitcoin in people, all kinds of people, um, that they want to satisfy, whether it's, wow, I really like that. I want to know more about that. And then they look it up or I think that's bullshit. I'm going to look it up. And then they mm-hmm. look it up. But either way, they're, they are now curious about something. If they look up a different article, maybe that article, even if it's dissing Bitcoin, maybe that article also talks about high-powered computers or other things. And then expands mm-hmm. that person's understanding that this isn't just Bitcoin. So I think it would still be a win-win, you know, whether they find the Digiconomist's website to prove mm-hmm. my film right or wrong, or if they find, you know, uh, another website to to prove these things right or wrong. Um, I went in person. <laughs> I actually saw these things, but I saw them in 2022, 2023. Um, again, if people see it in 2025, 2026, that might be a different story. It's going to get, mm-hmm. we're about to go into a having. I mean, the mining world is about to change. Their rewards are, um, their, the, the block rewards are about to get cut in half, you know, of transactions. And then now we're having fights over what transaction fees are worth being alive or not you know like yeah. and miners are going to rely on that to survive so yeah the landscape is definitely going to change so dirty coin i hope i'm making it hoping that it has a long shelf life but just mm-hmm. considering the 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 nature of the beast um it in five years it's going to be a different landscape it's going to be um more it's going to be better it's going to be more it's going to be worse <laughs> And mm. some things as well. So, you know, as long as people are curious and and understand, I, I'm also not, it's not a super pro, 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 zealot a culty film either. So mm. I'm hoping that people can watch it to the end. Um, I feel like that was something with Stranded that maybe towards the end, um, it got a little preachy. Um, and that was me. That was my choice of keeping those mm-hmm. things in. They were just so important um, mm. that I have to remember who my viewer is and my viewer is who I am if it were a different subject. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like I also don't like things being down like when a documentary yeah. is just like, you see, like I'm gonna tell you all these like ah, mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, leave me alone. You know? Yeah. So I also um I'm making again, I'm making a film that only I could make because 
only I can have my experience. So I'm being true to my experience and I'm being true to the people that I'm making the film for. I hope they like it. Well, I, I will say with what I've seen of Stranded already, I, I think regardless of what companies come and go, this and that, those foundational facts that you laid about like energy, how electricity works and how Bitcoiners being buyers of last resort because they're purchasing this, that gives opportunities for village, villages to have electricity. These things are things that are stories that need to get out there that, you know, and in the end, um, most Bitcoiners understand this. Some, you know, Bitcoiners, I'd like to repeat, like, we don't need to protect Bitcoin that much, right? Like, be truthful in what we're saying. Um, let's be a bit realistic as well in what we're saying. But in the end, on any subject, truth will win out at some point, like on a long enough timeline. And Bitcoiners are, you know, low time horizon uh, group inherently. I, I personally believe Bitcoin will went out in the end and uh, it is truthful in so many areas. So let's just let the facts speak for themselves in the end. And if they're proven wrong in certain aspects, they're proven wrong because, you know, we're trying to seek truth and what's best for humanity on all of these topics. And I think that's one of the things I see in your film is like, you're interested in telling a, a story. And um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say specifically, maybe like an investigative journalist, but there are some components to that. So you're like, let's see what's happening on the ground. Um, right. and, and let's paint a narrative of that that isn't being told right now. And I'm sure if there was an opposite narrative, I'm sure your brain might be scratching to say, what about the other side of that? So I, I think I can definitely see that in your work. Um, but I cannot wait for this to be released and out in the world Thank and you, to Trey. see what else you do. Um, I'm thrilled that we got to talk today and, and connect. I, I know we'll be in touch. I'm such a huge fan. Um, of you, I think a lot of people are going to really enjoy this conversation and the different areas it went, whether it's just they need some creative inspiration. Um, they want to learn more about Bitcoin and your work. So thank you so much for, for coming on and doing this conversation. Thank you. I felt so at ease that I kind of forgot that we were doing a podcast and I was just having a conversation with you and I rambled quite a bit, a few parts, but that's another thing Then you watch your own podcast and you're like, oh my God. So you do get better with each one. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to get better, but I just felt so natural and so comfortable that I I just felt like we were just chilling at at you know your living room because that's yeah. the one that I'm looking at. So no, that's that great. So <laughs> yeah, you were great. Um, very very comfortable conversation, and I hope that you know people that watch the podcast if they watch it all the way to the end. Oh my god, um, right. A, an apple or something like some kind of fruit just to know if you got all the way to the end. But my message to your audience is. Um, that curiosity is such a good thing. And it's important to, uh, if you're, if you're always going to agree, like with Bitcoin and Bitcoiners, it really does become, uh, an echo chamber because mm -hmm. there is a lot of the same truth that we're all saying. We all, we all see the same things and there's certain things that are true. And then we all kind of sound the same because we're all saying, we're all looking at the same thing. So it all is like that thing, but mm -hmm. there are going to be things that People are going to have different opinions on and, you know, in the last couple of months, what you see on Bitcoin Twitter is very different than what you see in the real world. You yeah. know, when you are really with Bitcoiners and you're at the meetups and you're, you're talking with the mining companies and you're talking with the wallet companies and you're talking with the people that are, have actually made Bitcoin their life, um, the conversations are much more civil. Mm -hmm. Um, they're a lot less, uh, you know, this person needs to be cast off from the world. So uh, curiosity keeps us challenging what we, what we hear and what we see, and it prevents us from sounding the same. Um, and so I applaud anybody that is curious in either direction. <laughs>
like if curious for whatever it is that they're looking for. I think that, you know, curiosity is excellent. And if they're watching your podcast, they have to have some kind of curious element to them that makes them want to dig into this subject. And um, I am very grateful that you've given me the opportunity to kind of give you a little bit of my world. Of course. Well, thank you so much. I know we'll be in touch um, and we'll be here to help and support in any way that we can. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye.